Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Of Joshua chapter 1. And if you've been with us since uh, about, for about two years, you'll recognize this passage from a series that we did called This is Church, Volume 2, because Volume 3 we just did, so you're not, I'm not about to recap what we just went through. But uh, I'm about to read a passage, and uh, we parked ourselves in there for a little bit, and I want to bring it back. Read it on the screen. Uh, don't worry. About, well, unless you want to, uh, to read it in your Bible. Did anybody bring a, like a real Bible? We got one. We got two. Okay. Uh, good for you guys. Uh, for the rest of us, I trust you have your Bible like open um, on your coffee table because you already read it this morning, and uh, you're in the midst of studying and writing notes, and that's why it had to stay there. But uh, probably because we read it on the screen every week is a good reason why many of you haven't brought it. So let's read. Just make sure you're reading it throughout the week. <laughs> that's a good idea too. And uh, here we go. Joshua chapter 1. I should give you just, because there's a lot, a lot of us in the room right now that we maybe never heard of the story of Joshua. Let me give you a few sentence introduction here. Uh, the nation of Israel is about to walk into the promised land. What is the promised land? The land that God promised to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel being, uh, and this is some rudimentary ways to describe it, but the vehicle in which God used to bring about Jesus into the world. And so the nation of Israel is about to step into the promised land. Now they had a chance to do this 40 years prior But when they sent spies into this promised land to bring them in, the spies brought back an unfavorable report saying the giants lived in the land and the nation of Israel wouldn't have been able to uh, go in there. And so what should have been an 11-day journey for the nation of Israel ended up being a 40-year journey where they learned to rely on the provision of God, literally waiting on him for water and food and sustenance and shelter, provision and uh, strength in the midst of many battles. And so when we see the nation of Israel going into the promised land here, they have a 40-year history. And the only people during, that were there 40 years prior that are now going to be walking into the promised land is two people, Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua, we're going to read about him right here before they walk in to the promised land. Joshua chapter 1 says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, uh, I read that grammatically incorrect. <laughs> After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, Uh, The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn away from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. 
Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan, uh, Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Can we pray? Jesus, thank you for uh, this morning. We thank you for Heart for the House Sunday, and we thank you for, um, uh, hopefully, you know, it's, it's not just my, my words, but the words you intend to communicate through me this morning. God, I pray that we would uh, hear you, that we would listen, that we would understand what you're speaking to us, and that, God, you would uh, just encourage us once again in all that you're calling us to. God, we're thankful that we get to be here today. We're thankful that we get to um, uh, just be alive and, and healthy and sitting in these seats. And so, God, we just bless your name this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Um, as I mentioned last week when we were talking about David building the temple, I just want to be aware that we need to be very careful when we're reading Scripture, that we're not reading ourselves into Scripture unnecessarily. And the reason I, I say this is because often people will walk away from Scripture and they'll say, like, uh, you know, whether it's last week, I'm a David type. And I'm like, well, let's, let's not carry that too far because David also uh, slept with Bathsheba and killed her husband. And so, like, how much of a David type do you want to be? Or somebody might walk away and go, you know, I'm, I'm a Ruth. Like, I, I, that's, that's the, the spirit God has given me, the spirit of Ruth. And it's like, well, not really. Like, they gave you the spirit of whoever you are. Like, we got to be really careful when we're reading Scripture to understand what was specific to the audience in which God was teaching, as well as understanding generally what he meant to the audience that was reading uh, it today. This is what um, even uh, scholars and academics would call telescoping. Telescoping is the idea that there are certain prophetic words that are written to the people in Scripture, but have a broader implication for later on in life as we read, as well as when we read general parts of Scripture. Like, there's things that we can learn about the nature of God and who God is in the midst of what we're reading. Now, the reason I mention that is just because I don't want uh, anybody to be thinking here today that because we have an opportunity in Heart for the House, there's a big conversation around a building right now, which we're going to get into in just a moment, um, that somehow I think that God has promised us this is the promised land and we're going to walk in it. Although there are general principles in which we can walk through as we see God moving in our midst and begin, begin to trust in him. So here we have it. We have Joshua. And Joshua is leading the nation of Israel into a land that they should have uh, inhabited. They had to rely on the provision of God for a period of time, uh, day to day, to uh, begin to understand what God was up to in their midst. And these words are said to Joshua by God. He says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Aren't those encouraging words? I will never leave you nor forsake you. That means like when you feel like God is close and it feels like the places between heaven and earth are thin and when we actually feel distant from God and like somehow maybe our sin or the consequences or circumstances of our life have pushed him very far. God is saying to Joshua as he reminds us within the New Testament that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Now the point that I want to pull out of this is right before that. He said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I love being a part of Slate Church. Does anybody else love being a part of Slate Church? <laughs> yeah, come on. 
Like, if you're new here this morning, you're like, okay, these people are kind of, like, excited about this church. I love the little woo-hoos. Like, it was in unison. Like, I, had, I said, like, after I say, do you love Slate Church, you say woo-hoo. Let's try that. Do you love Slate Church? <laughs> it was basically like that without me telling you to do That was amazing. So, anyway, we, um, I, I love this church, and I love where, um, where we find ourselves, and I love right now that there is an opportunity to purchase a building um, from Emmanuel Bible College. If you have missed the last couple of weeks, surprise. Uh, that's kind of like one of the things we've been talking about. And things are really exciting as a church, not only on the building front, but even as we could just walk a few steps down the hallway, our kids' ministry is growing and God is doing a lot of great things there. And I'm just really excited about all that God is doing. Now, one of the things that happens within the church is we get so short-sighted on what God has been up to in the world up until this point. Do you realize that God is not only excited about Slate Church, Um, but he's actually excited about what he's up to in the world today. Like, it's not just Slate Church that he has his eyes on. In fact, when we read Joshua being encouraged that God would be, uh, he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. It's a reckoning to the past. He's saying, listen, I was with Abraham. I was with Isaac. I was with Jacob. I was with Moses, the leader before you. I will also be with you. And actually taking a broader view of where we are as a church right now helps us in understanding how God brought us to this place, to sitting in, um, sitting in landmark cinemas amongst a bunch of other people that don't want to see renewal here in the region. We actually begin to understand that God's been up to something much longer than just our moment in history right now. When I was a baby, I, I, I grew up in, in a church in, uh, in Coburg, Ontario, in a Pentecostal church. And uh, that says nothing about our church. Like, anytime I mention I grew up in a Pentecostal church, people are like, oh, this is a Pentecostal church. I'm like, no, it's a non-denominational church. There's a lot of people from various backgrounds. But the church that I grew up in was a Pentecostal church. And as I grew up in that church and and got to see God move, the truth is is that I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that church. Are we we, we understand? Like, Like, I wouldn't be here today unless... God had moved through those pastors and those moments that I had in that church, we wouldn't be sitting in these seats today. You know, it was because of a a man named Doug Snyder. And Doug Snyder was a pastor in the Oshawa area that had a church that my grandparents would give sacrificially towards and and, uh, and, 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 and serve there and, and be a part of that church that would move a few times. I mean, he was the man that dedicated me. And so that while, uh, although he had a, a brain tumor that, that causes death a few years ago, I got to honor that because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here today. If it wasn't for that church that Doug Snyder pastored that started a bus ministry, my mom wouldn't have ended up in church. And if my mom hadn't have ended up in church, my grandparents wouldn't have followed her and met Jesus and gave their life, life, lives to Jesus within that church, and I certainly wouldn't be here today. If we even just look at some of the churches in the area, like Waterloo Pentecostal Assemblies, which gave me an opportunity to speak um, in an interim pastor uh, period, uh, there was a pastor there named Tim Hijack, who is now at Creekside Kitchener. And uh, he gave me an opportunity to speak at WPA six times while I was doing this student ministry. And if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have learned how to get up in front of a people that were way more qualified than I was and just sit there with the word of God and, and, and explain it the way in which God had spoken to me about it. I remember getting off the platform a few times at WPA and somebody's like, are you scared? Like there's a lot of doctorates in theology that are sitting in the crowd. And I was like, maybe, like this is the first time I heard about it. Like, should I be worried? Like, like what did I say, you know? But that allowed me to kind of cut my teeth on what it looked to speak. And I'm thankful forever for WPA. 
Slate Church grew out of a student ministry called Embassy, and Embassy had launched a church called Elevation. Elevation was run by my wife's aunt and uncle, Brandon and Melissa Mallow. Brandon and Melissa Mallow are wonderful people. I love them so dearly. But if it wasn't for Elevation and Embassy setting an example for campus ministry within Canada, we wouldn't have been a part of Embassy. Given the opportunity to grow a student ministry from 10 to 300 within two years that we eventually be here today, I am forever thankful for Brandon and Melissa Mallow and Elevation Church. And as you start to see, like the groundwork for us as a church has been laid long before we bring our hat on today. He says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. We constantly get confused within the church that we're responsible for building the church. Who's building the church? God. God says, Jesus, I am building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. See, we sometimes get it confused that as we partner with God in building his church, as we're his hands and feet, we forget that God is ultimately the one that is building his church. That ultimately God is the one that is saying, no, the church is not done in Canada. The church is not done in Ontario. The church is not done in the Waterloo region. The best days for the church are not behind us, they're ahead of us. Why? Because Jesus is building his church and we are partnering with him. Yes. I just pointed at Jared, and I know this is another aside, but Jared was uh, giving feedback just a second ago. I'm like, where the heck is Jared? (laughs) He's sitting right in front of me. Hey, Jared. Good to see you. God is building his church, and we can take hope in that because if we just look at ourselves as we're trying to build the church, and we look at what we're capable of, and we're looking at what we're able to do, we actually will come up short time and time and time again. See, I think we find ourselves in in an interesting time in history. You know, every, all the signs of the church right now within Canada show that the church is actually in decline. For a little while, we were like, well, that's only, like, that's only a certain uh, branch of the church, and, and the rest of the church is actually fine. But as we look across denominations, and we start to learn that a lot of uh, the denominations that were, were, were um, uh, uh, losing out, and, and, and I wouldn't say failing, but, but um, uh, slowly um, uh, growing smaller and smaller. Uh, if we look at that and we actually look at what God's up to now, we see that there was just a lot of transfer growth and all the rest. And really, it's a time for the church to actually ask itself a question. Are we wanting to be the church here in the year 2022? Like, do, do we actually want to see a move of God like we've seen in the past? Because as a church, as we look to Joshua and we look to this passage, yes, we're not crossing over into the promised land. We're not crossing a Jordan River, but we are at a crossing, so to speak, as a church. And I don't just mean Slate Church. I mean the capital C church in Canada. Are we going to be loud and boisterous? Are we going to be um, uh, offensive to the world that we live in? Are we going to be these things? Or are we going to come alongside the world in the ways in which Jesus did, gentle and lowly, with a loneliness of heart? He, he was told that is broken and needy and in need of a Savior. And honestly, I want to be a part of that kind of church. We're living in unprecedented times. The Maple Leafs look like they have a chance this year. We'll take a moment at the end of our service to pray for them. I didn't watch them for like 10 years, and all of a sudden in three games, I am totally wrapped up in this thing. I'm like, what have, what have I been missing? We live in unprecedented times where people are worried. I mean, just yesterday, I was with my dad, and he's like, oh, you hear that gas prices are going up to probably $2? And I'm like, What? Like, I just want to, like, leave my, my car at the gas station. It's just there anyway all the time. I'm like, 
I mean, people don't know what to think about what's going on in the world. We don't know what to think about what's going on in our own lives. We don't know how to relate to people because we might offend them some, in, some like in some great way. And yet the church in times like this is meant to stand up, allow God to build us, allow us to respond to what he's doing and say, God, if you want me to be a worker in your harvest field, if you want me to pick up a shovel, I'm going to pick up a shovel. If you want me to walk two miles, I'll walk two miles. If you want me to do this, I will go. But the church right now has a decision to make. Are we going to stand up for this next generation? And I want to be that church. I want to be a part of what God has been doing in this region and in this province and in this nation for a lot of time now. And I want to carry on the tradition that has existed ever since Jesus started his church. So I want to be a church that sees our, our, our kids' rooms completely overflow with kids. Where Sarah Ruth, Sarah Ruth has been an awesome hire. Any parents with your kids in kids' ministry? I want to just thank Sarah Ruth and her team and everything that they're doing. But I would love to see it where we've got to hire on more people to help Sarah Ruth because of all the growth that we're seeing in our kids' ministry. I don't want to talk about bus ministries that happened in the past. I want, to, I want to see new bus ministries where we go out and we see kids in the neighborhood come in. And just like my family story, where we actually see people come to know Jesus once again because of kids coming to know Jesus themselves. So I want to be a part of a church that sees the real needs of the region that we live in and we respond to them, not just through prayer, but through deed and work and serving them and seeing ourselves spread out in this region in such a beautiful way. So I want to see people and colleagues and, 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 and friends and neighbors and, and, and people that we thought they would never set foot in the church. I want to see a way made forward where they would come in and experience the goodness of our God. We're living in interesting times, and I think it's a time for the church to cross over into all that God is calling it to, to cross over into. This is a message. If, if it wasn't just Slate Church in front of me, I'd be speaking this to the church. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a time in history where the world is not going to put up with our loudness. The world is not going to put up with our lack of humility at times. The world is not going to put up with our boisterousness. The world doesn't need a louder church. The world needs a faithful church. The world needs a faithful church. People that are willing to faithfully serve God day in and day out. Not just on Sundays, but in their regular life. The world needs a church of a bunch of people that are committed to knowing enough about God that we're not scared to talk to our neighbors and our friends and our family about Jesus because we've done our homework in the quiet place. We've met with God when nobody else is looking. Where we didn't just check off the box that we did church, but we actually decided to be the church. So this world is in desperate need of a savior and it's looking to all different places. And I, I would suggest today that we know the answer and we need to start showing the answer more. See, Slate Church has a great history in front of it, but we have to understand that it's because of what God has done in the past that we can inform our future, that God is, uh, that God is active. Uh, don't be embarrassed if that was your alarm. I thought it was my phone because my watch also buzzed at the same time, and I'm like, this has never happened to me before. God goes on to encourage, um, encourage Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. And be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not, uh, do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. You know, in the midst of this Hartford the House season, God has surprised us with an opportunity that has come up that, uh, that we weren't expecting. 
prior to the pandemic, and some of you might know the story, and I'm just going to catch some of you up that don't, and there'll be new information if you've already heard it. You don't have to tune out because there's more, uh, uh, there's more I'd like to tell you about why we find ourselves where we are today. But before the pandemic, you know, that God was doing a lot of things in our church, and we were outgrowing spaces, and we were having to change all the time, and, and we were looking into different spaces and asking God, like, hey, maybe, maybe you could give us a more permanent space that we could meet in, that we wouldn't get tossed from this venue to this venue to this venue. In the weeks leading up to the pandemic, we had been in, like, four or five different venues over the course of six weeks, and we were starting to joke, like, come to church if you can find us. Like, it, it, was, it was getting ridiculous. And so we were visiting all of these different venues, and we were, like, trying to see if they would be appropriate for uh, Site Church. And I'll never forget, we went uh, through one building, uh, myself, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, who helped plant uh, plant this church with Emma and I. We walked through this building, and it was United Church on King Street within uh, Kitchener. And so you might actually know the building. And it was beautiful. We walked through the doors, and, and you could see vision. You could see what it could become. They had two different sanctuaries. The one sanctuary was, uh, could see about three to 400 people, and the other sanctuary was, uh, had capacity for up to 700, I believe. As we were walking through this space, we're like, wow, like, what's the story here? And the real estate person or the person that was walking us through, they said, well, you know, the developer bought this building about three years ago, and it's kind of been sit- sitting empty, and we're like, well, you know, that's too bad. And you can see there's like uh, paint coming off the walls and off the ceiling. And, and it's just decrepit. Like it's just been going downhill. The air is stale. And there's some stuff in there. We're like, you know, has anything happened in this building the last three years? She's like, well, there's been an event. And, and so we just kept walking. And we're like, wow, God, like what would, like could you use us in this space? And you're just picking up on little details as you're walking through. And, you know, we're picking up on, on the fact that the building is literally falling apart, that they're not willing to sell it, but they're willing to lease it back to the church. Which just a what, a, what a change in irony, a church that was meant to worship God, being owned by a developer, willing to lease it back to the church. And we came across another detail that just brought, broke my soul. And I remember coming up to a little plaque on the wall, and it said, dedicated to the men who served and died in World War II. And it made me, like, really frustrated. It made me really sad for the state in which we found ourselves as a church. Because I looked at this, and I said, like, this isn't what the church was meant for. Like, the church wasn't meant to sit stale and empty. And as we began to walk through and we started to see the beer cans and the posters still on the wall for the only event that had been held there in the last three years, which was a Halloween haunt, and things that we found in the garbage cans within the, not that we were looking through it too deeply, but in the bathrooms that were there that just spoke of a, like, like obscenities done in a house of God. And I thought, this is not what people died for. In fact, it's not what people died for, but this is like the story of so many churches that would give above and beyond into something that God was doing. This isn't what they gave for. This isn't what like my grandparents uh, gave up vacations for or sold a, a, a boat for so that they could buy a building. They didn't sacrifice all this time so that we could host Halloween haunts and a developer could lease back the church building to a church. This is not the way. And yet this is the story that we keep seeing all across Canada is that churches in an effort to keep the denomination alive, we sell buildings and we sell things and the church will not get back some of the property that we have sold up until this point. And so while we're seeing this and and God is speaking to us, God dropped a dream on on our hearts and and it was was to counteract this, to come alongside churches, to come alongside denominations, to come alongside the church in Ontario And so what he dropped in our hearts was a dream to build a network for the renewal of the church in Ontario. Now, we haven't talked too much about it, and we'll continue to talk more about it, 
But as we started to dream for this, the dream is to see God actually move greater into the future than we've seen him even move in the past in Canada. I would love for us to stop saying that we live in a post-Christian society and start asking ourselves deeply, what does it look like to be part of a pre-Christian society? What does it look like for the church to not just sell off property to keep denominations alive, but actually retain property so that we might see a move of God in our generation? So that our kids might know who Jesus is. So that we might have hope that our neighbors and our friends, and my friend that I was was having a a fire with, a a campfire with, just a few nights ago, and I'm praying, God, that we would have hope that God would reach them once again. You know, it's interesting because as we started to dream about that, God brought some, you know, interesting people into our lives. It was on March 1st. Hey, Aiden. And I'm like, I got to tone it down just a little bit. Play something calm so that I'll be calm. Be like David to this Saul. I have a Saul spirit right now. Which doesn't mean I want to kill you. It's just the good parts of Saul, like being a king. That's perfect. Because I want to fall asleep. It's perfect. It was on March 1st that, um, actually it was the day before March 1st, uh, so it would have been February 28th. And uh, we got a call and, and uh, said, hey, we just want to talk to you about a property. And it was a man new Bible college uh, calling. They didn't actually say the property. They just said, hey, we want to talk. We know you're looking for space. I remember coming down from the stairs and telling Emma, and I said, Emma, um, I think we're going to buy this property. Nothing had been discussed. There's just something in my spirit. I said, I think we're going to buy this property. And um, she's like, okay. And of course, if you were here last week, um, as much as we believe in, in the works of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and um, all that the, the Holy Spirit would do, um, you know, prophetic words don't come all the time. But Emma felt on her spirit during a time of prayer, God say to her, with the birth of this child, you guys will get a building. So I'm trying to make sense of all this and, and they approached us and they said, hey, we wonder if you, you would enter into a conversation with us. We want to see if we can enter into a kingdom partnership. Of course, if we fast forward, we begin to realize that what God had for us during that time and the weeks prior and the weeks leading up to this moment is that there would be an opportunity to purchase Emmanuel Bible College, but also an opportunity for Emmanuel Bible College to still use their building during the week when churches don't use it to still operate as a Bible college. So as God started to drop this idea of renewal, a network for the renewal of the church in Ontario on my heart, it began to become very evident that this was, this was part of that process. See, one of the wins here as we approach this heart for the house and we get ready to give towards, towards buying this building, one of the really interesting things is that not only do two kingdom, uh, two kingdom organizations get to operate on the same property, but Emmanuel Bible College gets to still operate as a Bible college. Do you know what that means? It means that they, keep, they get to keep sending out pastors and missionaries into the world that we live in. What that means is that there's going to be less churches in Ontario without pastors. Right now, out of the evangelical church, whatever you want to make of that word right now in our cultural moment, in Guelph, this is a stat that was given to me in this process, there's 25 churches without pastors. You know what we need more of? We need more pastors. 
Like we, we need Emmanuel Bible College to flourish so that we might actually send more people out into the harvest field, more workers into the harvest field. I find it a privilege that we get to partner with them in purchasing a building, but allowing them to stay so that Slate Church can have a permanent home, a place to say to the city, like we're not going anywhere, but also so that they might have a place to send more people out into the world that desperately needs to know about who Jesus Christ is. It was right after all of this that then talking to another um, uh, person that's connected to our church, and they said, hey, we'd love for you to come down to the States and, and talk to a group of pastors in the States, or not a pastors, a, a group of uh, Christians in the States, billionaires, and they're looking to invest in kingdom initiatives within Ontario. And what you're talking about, about this renewal of the church in Ontario is exactly what they want to be a part of. Share this and see what they would give towards what you guys are doing. Like these are, and by the way, when I say a, a, a network of the church in Ontario and saying, hey, get up, rise up. The time is not gone. The time for the church is still ahead of us. Let's go forward in what God is doing in building his church. That's what it's about. But as we start to dream with God and as we start to allow God to speak to us, we start to see that God is moving. And so when I knew I was going to, speak out of this passage and at this point it's pretty loose isn't it next week we're starting a new series called the four loves and it's going to be great it's going to have a lot of exegesis for those of you that are worried i'm entering into eisegesis at this point but this is a passage i've come back to time and time again in important moments for our church god speaks to joshua and he says be strong and courageous And uh, the truth is, is as a church, and even as your pastor, like the courageous part has been done. But honestly, this past, this past week and a half has been like the hardest, besides the pandemic, the hardest week and a half of pastoring that, that I can remember. If you just picture for a moment, you've got this 31-year-old guy feels like he doesn't even really know what he's doing when he's in a low moment wonders if the church is going to realize he doesn't know what he's doing and for the last four weeks I've been getting up here and just telling you hey guys uh, God's brought a miraculous opportunity in front of us but uh, we've still got to purchase it (laughs) EBC sent a message out to thousands of their stakeholders alumni and students and everything else sent out a message to all the pastors of the network, Slate Church is buying EBC's property. And honestly, it's a weak moment for me as a pastor because God, I, I said, God, like I just, like getting up there and saying that we're gonna do this is different than actually doing it. You understand? Like saying we're gonna do this is different than actually doing it. This whole week and a half, I've been under this intense pressure to just realize that when God's moving, God's gonna move. It's been a week and a half of realizing that while I've done the courageous part, I was on a bike ride last night and honestly, there's just this temptation to just like, just keep riding off into the sunset. Like if I just keep pedaling, like it'll be too far for me to get home the next day. And they'll just be like, well, we don't know where he is. As I'm on that bike ride, I just felt it in my spirit. God say to me specifically, he said, you've done the courageous part. Now let me be your strength. And this morning, as we get ready to give through Heart for the House, and there's going to be a giving moment in just the next little bit, the thing is, is that we're not just giving towards what we're doing as a church. 
We're giving towards what God is up to in our region, what he's up to in our province, what he wants to do through us as his church. And maybe you're courageous and you're bringing in, but you're feeling a little weak in what he's asked you to give. And I just want to encourage you, allow him to be your strength this morning. We find ourselves as a church in a really interesting moment. And I was reflecting on one of the symptoms over into the promised land. That is, it doesn't mean that they arrived. It just means that they're headed on to the next chapter of what God had for them. And I think for us, like, in many ways, I just stand here before you and I go, guys, we're about to, we're about to head into the next, the next step, the next checkpoint of what God has for us as a church. There's a, there's a city that needs us to serve them way better than what we've been serving them. There's, there's a region that's watching and there's people in our lives that are watching and they're going like, what is that church thing all about? There are people that are looking in and, and I feel like we're on the precipice of stepping over and stepping into all that God has for us. And really it's up for us as a church today to go, you know what, let's partner with what God's doing. And so, you know, last week um, I read a David and, and he's getting all the temple preparations ready and, and he had he said, I, here's all that I've given already to the building of the temple and above and beyond that, I give this. Now, I'm not David and I've never done this and Em and I will probably never do this again, but I felt it so strongly in my spirit. Just let you guys and, and uh, she's gonna give us some instructions on how we're gonna give this morning. And, and again, our church goes back to normal next week. It's not like we're gonna have this, this like moment next week doing the same thing. But I felt it was important to just let you guys know that like Emma and I aren't trying to twist anybody's arm through this process of Heart for the House to give more than what you're able to. And I wanted you guys to know as well that we're, we're in it with you. We're not like secretly saying we're giving sacrificially. You guys have all heard this phrase. It's about equal sacrifice, not equal giving. And so alongside all that Emma and I continue to give towards our church, whether it's be through tithe or you know, birthday money comes in, we tithe off of it. Tax return comes in, we tithe off of it. We just... We're constantly doing that. Today, Em and I ourselves are giving $15,000 towards this. And for some of you are going like, what in the world? Like, I, that's, I couldn't give that. That's not what, it's about me saying that. For some of you, that's much lower than what you're able to give. But the reason I felt important for us to tell you what we're giving is because the last three weeks I've gotten up here with fear and trembling, telling you this next season that God is taking us into. And I do not want you to feel like we're twisting your arms and somehow not linking arms with you walking into this next season of our lives. So I ask you the same question as David asked the Israelites as they built the temple. Who's gonna join us in giving towards all that God's gonna continue to do through our church, all that he has done, and all that he's, like he's been building this long before us. So can we stand up in this place? We're gonna pray. In just a moment, we're gonna take some time to give back to God out of what he's been giving to us, or out of what he's given us. Jesus, I thank you for this moment. And I thank you, God, that it's such a holy moment for our church. God, you know that I'm not bluffing when I say that this has been a difficult week and a half for myself. And maybe it's the weight of the process. Maybe it's some spiritual stuff going on that we always like to point to, but even God, just prepping for this message has just been, there's been a war going on in my heart, God. And the war is just about about what you're up to. Really, God, it's just been a, 
It's been a, it's a wrestling period on whether or not you are our provider. It's been a wrestling period for myself on whether or not you are the one building your church or if somehow I'm called to manipulate it and somehow, and God, we know that's not the case. We know that you are who you say that you are. God, we know that you are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. God, we know that you are about building your church. God, we know that this opportunity before us is not really an opportunity for Slate Church as much as it is an opportunity for your kingdom. And God, for those of us that call Slate Church home, God, this moment for us as a church is just about aligning ourselves with you and saying, God, what you're up to, we wanna be a part of it. God, what you're up to in this region and what you're up to in our province, God, we want to be a part of it. And so God, I pray right now that even as I just feel weak as a leader and I get up here and I say, God's moving, he's doing this. And and yet I feel so weak and sometimes not as confident as I should be. God, I release that to you. And God, I pray that you would have your way. God, I pray for our friends and our family and our coworkers and those closest to us that we can picture right now that God, we would just love that they would come into a knowledge of who you are. God, I pray right now in this moment that God, you would just be moving in their lives that your Holy Spirit would be coming alongside them, that God, you would be encouraging us in ways that would would ignite our faith and our hope for what you would do in this region. So God, we're thankful for you. God, we're thankful for what you're up to. God, as we turn back now and we ready ourselves to give back to you above and beyond out of what you've given to us, God, we just pray that you would be a part of it and that you would multiply it for your kingdom's needs this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.